Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And we are trying to enrich the lives of diverse product managers to empower product managers to develop innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences and to provide employers with the most trusted spot to find diverse product management talent. And we are here every single week, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Thanks to Red, who made this all possible, encouraged us to get on Clubhouse, gosh, I think it's nine months ago by now. And Sumeya, who read, I don't know how he did it. He's a magic community builder. He got Sumeya and said, hey, we need to do a show together. And then it's been off to the races ever since. So we take different topics each week. And this week, we are going to talk about the transition from IC to manager. And I'm going to skip over red for a second and jump to Sumeya. Why is this an important topic for everyone, whether you're a current uh, product manager, a manager of product managers, or even just, uh, not just, but even an aspiring product manager? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. I want to start by saying we talk a lot about the individual contributor or IC transition to manager, but this is by no means to discount the value of also the principal track. I'm a huge fan and believer in that, and we can talk about that a little bit later as well. But going back to the topic at hand, I think Purvi and I have had a lot of conversations about this. The IC to manager track is one of those, or uh, transition, is one of those events and periods in the life of a product manager that creates a lot of angst and a lot of concern. And there is a heightened sense of emotion and and desire around it and sometimes disappointment as well. And so whenever you have that kind of situation, what we like to do is to create two things. One, a plan that allows you to find clarity within that ambiguity. And two, tools and resources and helpful people that will, you know, you can draw upon and talk to. So in today's conversation, I know Purvi and I will provide our input and thoughts on this topic, but by no means will this be the end of the conversation. So I'm excited about this. All right. And I'm excited to have you and Porvi here to talk about transitioning from IC to manager. And I think Sumeya made a good point because sometimes when people get their product management job, their focus is on this point. Like, how do I start managing people? Give me headcount. And there's also a very fruitful path to being an IC long-term. And so it's not the only path for a product manager, but it is a popular path. And we're going to talk about it here today. And I'm going to moderate the beginning and then Red, my co-host here, he's going to take it over and let you get your questions answered. So Red, tell them a little bit about that red circle and all the different ways they can be involved in today's conversation. Bum, bum, bum. So this red circle is a way for you all to know that tonight is going to be recorded 
and edited and uploaded to the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast that you can find on Spotify or your favorite listening choice like Apple Music and Apple Podcasts, sorry. So the reason we like to say that out loud is because tonight is not just about tonight, but it's an opportunity for us to get it out to the broader community, ways we can help them get involved and grow. Now, we also, in addition, from a community perspective, have a Slack channel, which has, proud to say, over a thousand members, and we started it earlier this year. So it is growing like wildfire. The whole point of the community is to give you access to other people like you, product managers, where you can ask questions, get updates when the shows are coming out and when the podcasts are being updated. And ultimately, if you like someone on stage that is speaking, it's a great opportunity for you to direct message them later and get some insights. So we're here to support the community beyond just Clubhouse with the recordings in the Slack group. And I like to say this, if you want to be a part of the Slack group, you can always find me. Ping me on any channel, LinkedIn, Twitter, snail mail, whatever it is. And I know Sumeya last week did some Clubhouse magic for those that are here tonight where there will be a link where you can click on through. But if you're not seeing that link, just back channel me. Jeff, we're here just to do one thing. It's to help the community grow and be inclusive of everyone, even those who couldn't make it tonight. So back to you and let me know how I can help. All right. Thank you, Red. And again, Red's a founding advisory board member on the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. Helped us build this resource, not just for our degree program students, but for the world. And I'm grateful that one of the programs we have, we just got bombarded with applications for the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. We're hoping to empower 100 professionals from historically marginalized communities land their first PM role by June 2022. Amazon, big news, is a platinum sponsor on this program. Starbucks is a silver sponsor. These two Seattle companies are making this possible for us to impact lives around the country. And hopefully your company, if you're listening, or you as a volunteer might help us in this goal. So if you're looking for diverse talent, again, we're grateful that Amazon and Starbucks helped us build and expand this program. But we've got amazing people in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator that I hope you meet. All right. So that was enough about me, enough about Red. Borvi, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you transitioned or when you transitioned from IC to uh, manager. Yeah, so my name is Porvi, VP of Product at HubSpot, um, but I've held product leadership positions both at Salesforce and previously at Microsoft. The way I transitioned into product by, was luck by chance. So this is the aftermath of the 08-09 crisis, and I started as an engineer and that is how I was trained. Like I was coming from a computer science engineering background and then the crisis hit. So I had to actually take a job in customer support within the same organization. And that is how I went into management. And that was probably when I was 23, so long time ago. And then I continued in that role, which was actually phenomenal uh, learning, but came back to engineering and engineering management and switched to product leadership and then have been in product leadership ever since. And let us know, where, where are you now? What's What role and company are you with now? I'm at a company called HubSpot. We uh, are a CRM platform. So uh, think about sales software, service software, marketing software, and basically anything a customer needs to stand up any of these uh, business lines. And um, I lead one of these businesses as uh, their GM and VP of product. All right. So I'm going to follow up with you, Porvi, before I go back to Sumeya. As you're 
in this role, who do you oversee? I know you're not speaking for your company. We want to always give the caveat that you're speaking of your own personal experience, you and Sumeya. But when you get to the VP level, when you get to that level, who directly reports to you? Like, is it just product managers? Are there other disciplines or other job functions that report to you at that stage? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So it actually, I think it differs from company to company back at Salesforce with mostly product management uh, as a role that would roll up to the VPs. At HubSpot, we do have product and go-to-market both roll up to the GM role, if you may. So that's how we are structured. But I've seen it work differently. In some organizations, you also oversee like UX and engineering, but at HubSpot, it's product and go-to-market. That's true in my case, too. The only other combination that I've seen and actually I had in my own organization was QA, was part of my org. So the actual quality assurance function. But I agree with Purvid, it's different from one company to the next. And then, so what is the biggest transition? What is the biggest shock as you go from an IC to a manager of product teams? Let me start with Porvi again. Yeah, I think the biggest shock is letting go. Letting go of like going deep on a product or on an area. Letting go of even a little bit of perspective on everything and trying to spend your time in the back of the room helping guide decisions as opposed to taking the decisions yourselves. So that was the biggest transition point for me. And it happened multiple times when I was leading like this customer service business and then leading engineering and then product. It's not like once you get it right, it's always in the DNA because different roles also function differently. So um, I learned it a hard way, to be honest. But if I had to point to one thing, it would be letting go of a lot of knowledge and going deep and helping others build that perspective and take decisions. What about you, Sumeya? Anything that you found most shocking or that you struggled with the most in that transition from IC to manager? Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, Purvi's perspective. I would add uh, the amount of politics at that level, because you're at that point not just advocating for yourself or, you know, for a for your product pod, but you're also advocating for multiple product managers who would report to and just needing to be aware of the different political and, you know, the unspoken rules that might apply with one product team versus another or different stakeholders, because usually different product teams that work for you might have different stakeholders that they're working with or that they are delivering with. I think for me, that was uh, one of the most shocking (laughs) or most challenging parts of that transition. All right. So we're talking about transition from IC to manager. And I'm curious, Porvi, I guess you said you made this jump pretty early on, but any thoughts on what somebody could do to plan and achieve the promotion or the transition? to earn the trust of management, to be able to manage others? Yeah, I think about it, like even now when we have discussions on what are the skills required to have someone succeed in a management role, I think about three things. Number one, probably very cliched, but communication. How to structure the messaging to your peers, how to structure the messaging to your directs, and how to structure it to your leadership is very important. Because I think as a manager, your role and your interface with stakeholders grows many fold. And each of these stakeholders have a different relationship with you. 
So to be able to modify and present information at the right level of fidelity becomes very, very important. So that's number one communication. I think the second thing is I'll definitely look for indicators where how collaborative you are even when you don't have a management role are you able to step up and coach other team members in a way that they're comfortable and growing so those signals are important because coaching is a big part and I, i even feel like if you don't get it right at the management level, then you go on to become directors and VPs and, and CPOs and whatnot. And that part always stays with you because you're not comfortable giving coaching and receiving feedback in turn from your directs. So that's the second part, coaching. I think the third part, and this might just be, I, I might be a little bit biased here because I do feel I, I'm overcalling, which I shouldn't be is delegation and carving out areas that are absolutely important and urgent for you to go deep on versus the areas that you can hand over to someone else. So if I had to recap, it would be communication, coaching, and delegation as skills that are needed to make the transition, which which are the hardest I found in my, my journey as well. And Sumeya, then how do you, anything to add to that and how you could show that you have those skills so that you get the trust of management to get promoted? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things we've all heard, any of us who have been in the workforce for a while, whenever we have the, you know, promotion conversation is this phrase of you need to show that you're doing the job that you're getting promoted into at your current job. And so there is a learning curve. There is an actual promotion that happens and, and, and then you start taking action. But most of the time, in most cases, people want to see that you're already doing most of that job already and thinking at that level. And so what does that mean? For example, one of the most important aspects of a manager, especially of product managers, is that you spend a good amount of your time thinking about the strategy stuff. Your PMs are has down. Yes, they think a little bit about strategy, but where maybe 10% of their work is strategy, 40% or 30% of your work or more even can be that. I recently was reading a survey with executives about this tension between execution and strategy, and more than 70% of the executives said they never have enough time to do it. And so when you're thinking about someone uh, like a PM who's just focused on a lot of execution and day-to-day and coordination, I imagine that's more of a challenge to them. So as a manager, think about that. And then I definitely agree with Purvi's point around mentoring and coaching. Those are things that you can do without having people report into you. And everyone can tell when it's you know, genuine and and coming from a place of actually wanting to grow the team and support the team. And so continue doing that. And then last but not least, I think one of the most important parts about that transition, we're all PMs, right? And so we know that stuff don't happen without a plan. What does a plan mean? That's something I think we should talk about in a little more detail. What does it take to create that plan? What what should be part of that plan? I think we talked a little bit about the skills now, but there's a lot more to it as well. Porvi, any response to what Sumeya said or anything to add to that? No, I think she's spot on on the plan. I feel a lot of us don't plan on being managers like I certainly didn't so I didn't go in with a defined plan but as you see like more and more people going into product leadership or 
product management, management, it definitely helps to know your improvement areas and to build the the relationships. I do want to say one thing. I feel like when we think about coaching and mentoring, people often think like it's an immediate, it's going to be an immediate like reward. Like if you're coaching someone who's not reporting to you, it's going to mean immediately that, that that opportunity turns into a management opportunity. But that doesn't work quite like like that, right? It, it does take a period of time to be able to show those signals to get those opportunities. And that's where I feel that you have to have patience. So speaking of patience, if you're trying to make that transition from IC to a manager, how much do you self-promote and say, hey, look what I did. I, I helped this person. I helped that person. And how much do you try to let the work prove itself to get noticed? I'll turn to Sumeya if she has any insight first, and then Porv, if you want to add to it. I have a very reductive answer to this one. With your direct manager, be very clear and very upfront about all the credit that belongs to you. Don't beat around the bush. Don't be shy about it. Just very clearly outline your wins. And if your manager is also doing uh, a great job, they would be getting feedback about you from the different people you work with. I know, for example, one of the practices I do is people who report to me, I would reach out to to engineers, to designers, to other managers, to stakeholders they work with on a periodic basis every couple of months and get feedback on them and then share it with them. And a lot of times that feedback also comes out with credit in it. And a lot of achievement comes through from that feedback. But having said that, don't just rely on that. Make sure with your manager that you are upfront about that stuff. With everyone else, I don't know. I think there is a way to do it. You know, PMs, we have teams that work with us, teams of designers and engineers. And I know it rubs me the wrong way when PMs take credit for the work that everyone else on their teams have done. I see the best PMs, the best leaders are those who just speak of the success of the team, give everyone on the team, you know, credit. And that in itself, you know, tells a story. But then with their direct manager, they're very clear on what they did and what they achieved. I think I'm in general agreement to what Sumeya is pointing. There are three categories of actors I see here. One is your manager. Second is actually the peers of your managers, which might be hiring for a new PM leader. And then third is, of course, your broader teams and leadership. I would definitely tell everything to your manager depending upon what kind of relationship you have. Is this very formal or do you have a very trusted relationship and there is enough support system there? I have seen in the past that some managers get a little offended if they if you provide them repeated information on how well you're helping others. So you have to take it depending upon the, the trust factor in your relationship and how supportive they are. Regardless, you should document it for yourself in your uh, work environment. The second thing is actually the peers of your manager. And I I do think you should signal the interest that you have to these peers. Reason being, there's a lot of time internal movement happens in companies and actually more so in the post-COVID era that we are seeing as leaders with respect to hiring. So if someone has a need of like, you know, a junior lead level manager where you can probably start with managing one or two people, then they might find you a good fit up as opposed to someone hiring a group PM where you have to lead, uh, you know, seven plus or eight plus PMs. 
and with respect to the broader leadership i wouldn't i wouldn't really go around i wouldn't suggest go around beating the band a lot but if there is something to highlight if if you coach someone and they ended up giving you a review on your internal website or your internal forum or to your manager that's definitely something to highlight i would say to your skip level as well all right so now i want to turn this conversation i want to be a little selfish here because i am transitioning from an ic to a manager myself the product management center has hired their first ever associate director so we are ready to scale and grow this program and so now I'm curious, Sumeya or Porvi, what do you recommend for those first couple of days? How do you make sure you get on the right foot with the people who you're working with once you transition to a manager? Oh, I have a couple of tips. They're not completely comprehensive, but I'll start with those and then I'll turn it over to Purvi. First of all, do a personal manual, a user manual on yourself and one on them. I mean, ask them to do their own, of course where they get to answer questions about what what they like, what they don't like, what does a great work day look like for them, what does a bad day of work look like for them, are they a morning person? Just open up the communication channels with people in your team at that personal level where you tell them this is not just about getting output out of you, but also about caring about you as a human and getting to work with you in the most enjoyable environment possible. So there are many ways to do this. One of the ways I like to do it is through the user manual, which then allows us to start this conversation into communication styles and, and things like that. And then the second thing that I think matters to everyone is clarity of expectations. So what is the bare minimum you expect out of them? Definitely delivery of things that they promise and accountability for action, etc. But are there like certain administrative things? Do you want them every week to give you a report on what was achieved? Do you want them to include you or do a weekly uh, report out to you? Like there are certain expectations around communication that I think are really important to clarify early on. And then the rest of it, uh, as long as you have a standing weekly meeting with your direct report or, you know, biweekly, whatever cadence works for you, I like weekly, then you can determine their needs and address it directly. In your case, because you have one direct report, you're not really thinking about creating processes that scale. It's making sure that whatever you do works for you and them. Porvi, anything to add to that, the, what you do on your first days as a manager with your direct reports? I think, again, I'm in general agreement with uh, Samaya, and I think that's why we work well together. So three things, again. Uh, number one is uh, building the relationship and showing interest and being there to listen in and providing them the right ecosystem to grow, grow and develop, just not you, but someone else they can tap into for mentorship during this period. That's so important. The, the second thing is clarifying expectations of success for you versus for them. There'll be a lot of gray areas when you transition a part under your portfolio to someone else, as opposed to, you know, already have a built out PM org. So what does success look like for you? Which meetings would you attend versus what they will attend? But always bringing back that information is important. 
And I think the last one I would say is when you have like a 60-day, 90-day onboarding plan, it's good to have a plan. But what is more important is 60 days often people will take to listen in and grab what is going on and build their own opinions. At 90 days, most people do have opinions. And I think that's where sometimes a conflict comes in because your direct opinions might not be really similar to your opinions. They might say yes to everything in the hierarchy, which is also wrong. But when that opinion mismatch happens, how do you land in a position to, to either disagree or commit or like talk it through what, what the rationale behind it, it is? So I think that 90-day milestone is very important. All right. And I want to turn to Red. If you don't mind, Red, I'm going to put you on the spot. But we were talking earlier offline about your own framework that you've adapted, uh, the Red framework for uh, kind of keeping conversations going about how things are are moving forward with your team. Do you mind sharing a little bit of that so we can get uh, Sumeya and Porvi's responses to whether they use something similar? Oh, boy. Now I'm nervous because every week it's Sumeya's our resident framework professional. So you know what, Purvi and Sumeya, and I really would love your perspective. For the RED framework, which I borrowed from the REKS framework, uh, the REX framework, is that you expect results, right? At the end of the day, your mission, your goal is to achieve a certain result. But in order to get there, if you do not see the results happening, you need to understand what the effort that is required to get there. So, you know, for example, if, you know, you have a sales number that you need to hit, you should also know what it's going to take to get there. That's the E, the effort. And then if you're not getting there, but you're putting in the effort to get there, well, let's dig deep. Let's dive in. Let's diagnose the source of the problem. That's the D. Again, I can't take credit for the framework, Jeff, but it's something that makes my team laugh when it's very much uh, easy to remember because uh, it is my name. So uh, hopefully that's what you were looking for there, buddy. Spot on. And I love putting yourself out there in front of the Frameworks Queen. That's your new nickname, Sumeya. It was Queen of Clubhouse, but now it's the Frameworks Queen. Do you use a similar framework or a different framework for that same purpose? Well, I, I want to say why I love Red's uh, framework is because it's not just about results. So one of the things that I think sometimes in the product management world, we get so extremist about <laughs> to our own detriment is this concept of focus on outcomes. And yes, I, I totally agree that we should always focus on outcomes. But there is an argument to be made that sometimes it's also about the process. So what does that mean? It means that not every time will you expect outcomes that meet expectation or that exceed expectation, which is why we set goals. Sometimes you can set goals that you don't necessarily, you know, achieve, but the process that gets you there is where all the learning and all the growth happens. So I like that there is room for that concept in your framework, Red. All right. One step closer to becoming a product manager. You hear that, Jeff? Yes. Validation from the Frameworks Queen. I love it. Uh, Borvi, we usually like controversy. I'd love it if you could put Red in his place. Do you want to disagree with everything he just said? Or <laughs> I, do you love it? What do you have to say here? I, I actually not very much into framework, but some part of this makes real sense. I'm going to copy and get inspired from it. I do think the effort factor is really awesome because a lot of times we would try to drive outcomes and you don't really know how much effort you should put on it and how long you should take to drive that outcome. And I think that's something new managers can really focus on. So I like it. I like parts of it. So Sima, we will chat about it more then. Yeah, totally. And I read effort to also mean process. So 
that's hopefully red. You're okay with me adding that to it. <laughs> it doesn't sound as good, Arped, but uh, I like it. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's just under the umbrella of the E is also a, a component of process. Yeah, all right. I can get behind that. It sounds cool. <laughs> all right. I could see Red's face turning red as our two product leaders today are showering him with praise for his framework. I've taken about enough time that I'm going to take here with my questions. Now it's time for the audience, your questions, and Red is going to take this thing home. Before he does, I just have to give another shout out to the sponsors on the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. More so than for the shout out for them, it's a call for help from you. We have 40 people in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator program. These are people from historically marginalized communities who have shown that they are ready to become product managers, and we're doing our best just to put them in, in front of the opportunities that they will shine in. So if you are hiring a first-time product manager, or yeah, let's leave it at that. If you are now in the role of hiring a first-time product manager, reach out to me. We've got uh, 40 people now and we had 500 applications to join the winter cohort. So we've got a lot of brilliant talent that I'd love to see uh, work at your company. They can't all work at Amazon and Starbucks who have sponsored the program, but they can work for you. So reach out to me and Red, hopefully you're still Red from the embarrassment or I don't know what, not embarrassment. What is it when you you blush because people love your framework? Uh, whatever it is, I'm feeling it. <laughs> you're feeling it. <laughs> all right, Red, stage is yours, man. Tell them how to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you said it best. This isn't my time to shine. This isn't about me. This is about you and the audience having an opportunity to ask your questions. As far as your career progression is concerned, from IC to the top, we have people who've been through this personally. So to open up the questions, there is a button at the bottom of your clubhouse page. You'll see it. It's right there. It's a little hand on top of a what looks like a little notepad. Click on that. If you click on that and you have a profile photo that is not, I don't know, an empty space or some kind of weird enigma, and uh, you have some kind of professional career, Jeff Samea, this week, I am fine if they want to come up and they are a physiatrist, a podiatrist, a psychiatrist. What matters is that they understand the value of going from IC to leader in the product space. Uh, see, I'm, I'm being really open this week, guys. I really am. Inclusive. Thank you, Red. I love it. Final. Very inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be inviting folks on stage. Uh, your microphone, if you can mute it, it should be automatically submuted. And excited to see what you all have to say. We already have Suresh jumping on stage here. And I'm happy to say is in the product management space, having gone from IC to director. So Suresh, uh, the stage is yours. What kind of question do you have? Please ask yeah. away. Hi, everyone. Uh, good morning from Bangalore, India. So I'm a director part, but I still am an IC. Okay, so uh, in a sense, like people don't report to me directly, but I myself report to an engineering management, right? But uh, there are a lot of product owners and product managers working with me. So as part of the yearly review, everything they take, the engineering management take feedback from me. Okay, so now I am trying to get into a next leadership role within my company as well as trying outside. The first question I always get it, how many people report to you? So, see, my intention is to grow as a leader. I am fine it, even it is with people management or without people management. I just want to know what are your thoughts on that. So whenever someone asks me this question. 
So, Suresh, just to define your question, is it how many people report to you that matters or is it the question of how to get to that place? No, no. When I go for an interview, so basically I'm, I'm not uh, fully open, but when I talk to people outside, the consultants and all, right, in the next leadership role, they, the question I often am asked is how many people report to you? Mm, that helps for clarity. So I would say maybe, Sumeya, just to start off the conversation, right, how would you handle that situation if, if you were in that same position? I'm not clear about, so this is in an interview, you're looking to get a job and they want to understand how many people report to you because no one reports to you right now? Yes, because you are. I'm already a director, right? And if I'm going to get next level role as a VP or based on the company, whatever naming they have, right? So the first yeah. question, not first question, but generally they ask me how many people report to you. Yeah. And I understand why you're getting asked that question. I think if no one reports to you, here's how I would address this question. The two factors that really matter in this are, one, your budget. So what is the size of your P&L? And people try to get to that by understanding the number of people who report to you. And then two, if you have no one reporting to you now, but there was a point in time when you had people report to you, you can talk about that. Right now, as a director, if you have you know teams of people who are dotted line to you, you can also talk about that. I think when that question is asked, it's for people to understand the size of the teams that you have influence over. But I would, you know, if, if they insist on really under, like the actual number of people reporting directly to you, I would be upfront and I would say, you know, none. However, the size of my PNL is 5 million and my, the, the, the number of teams that, you know, work on my product are five pods with a total of uh, I don't know, 120, you can create, there is a story here that you can build so that you give more context to why you're a director, but you have no direct reports. I don't know, Purvi, how, how would you address this one? I definitely like your point on building the story, Samaya. So there's multiple angles here. Revenue or PNL is one. The second is the kind of leaders that you interact with on both the strategic and tactical level, like what kind of cross-functional relationships you have. Maybe you interact with VPs or other directors who have people under them and who lead larger orgs. So that's something to hone on as well. And the last part of it is if you let people in a previous role, which is not product, most of these skills do translate into different roles. So being able to attach it to you were doing it before and now you're not doing it now. Like I've switched from IC to leadership a couple of times in different roles. So when I switched to product leadership for the first time, my background in engineering management came in handy. And that's that's how I positioned that I was ready. And I've done this in the past successfully. That's a unique perspective that I think is interesting to expand on. And Suresh, thank you for the question, was what are some of the things that you can do in your role as an IC that when you apply to a job that is a leadership role, you should absolutely nail down? So you were giving some of those elements, Sumeya and Porvi. What would you say if you had to list them out in order of importance? You're interviewing for a job that is not IC and you're coming from IC, what do you need to have besides, obviously, a sizable P&L? And Sumeya, if that's okay to start with you. Yeah, absolutely. So being a leader is not just about those numbers. 
I think when you th- depending on the role, especially if you're working, let's say, on on the enterprise side where you don't have a revenue, but you have some sort of enterprise OKR that you worked on, making sure you you highlight the outcomes. As I'm saying this. I think that's true for all PMs, whether they're ICs or manager. Definitely talk about the outcomes. If they're customer-facing, that's amazing. If they're enterprise-related, tell the story of how that translated into results that really mattered for the company. But then beyond that, if you're going to take it to the next level for someone who is a leader of people, usually you want to talk about the different teams or the expansive nature or the influence you've had to to have. So let's assume, for example, your product is a multi-million dollar product. That's great. That's awesome. But were there other efforts or other PMs within the team that you had to work closely with and and train or mentor? Did you take leadership on something that mattered? For example, were you responsible for creating a design system for all the products within the company, in addition, of course, to everything else you had to do for your product? As I'm saying this, I'm thinking about all the examples of PMs that I've worked with, mentored, and who have worked for me, who have done this successfully, went from IC to manager without having a single person report to them. And it was usually through efforts that went, that that were beyond just, you know, doing the work, uh, you know, the nine to five or beyond doing the minimum expectations. And nine to five has nothing to do with it. I'm just using old language <laughs> that has no place in our current world. And by that, I mean, of course, doing efforts, being part of communities, working on things that are not just products related. Purvi, how about you? I would just recap what you're saying, because I think, again, I completely agree with those points. Number one would be revenue impact, how you scaled the business. Maybe it's like adoption numbers. Maybe it's retention has whatever the metric you're tracking and you've had significant impact on it. I would recounter that. Number two would be driving products that might involve more stakeholders, which is something that we were talking about before. And did you have to go, was it a CIO, CPO level product? Maybe you were driving some efficiencies in the product org itself and you're leading the side project and that had a direct connection with the C-suite. So that's something I would I would highlight. And then the last one would be if you helped with like recruiting in some sort of way for your org, even if they were not directly reporting to you, I would highlight those effects as well. All right. Thank you. So uh, it looks like the well has run a little dry on questions. Suresh, hopefully you got what you needed from that. Thank you for the question. I just have one more question based on what Sumaya and uh, I think Puri was telling, I think that, right? So they were saying, I think I remember something on the delegation part, right? So coaching, mentoring and delegation, right? Uh, I think I think uh, I remember Puri saying that when you want to move from IC to management role, right? You have to kind of first show that. So how do you show that to your boss or someone that you are delegating? How do you show that you have delegated sorry yeah yeah what do you mean i mean delegation is how do you show you have delegated work to people who don't necessarily report to you 
Yeah, see, I remember that one of you were saying that when you yeah. want to move from AIC to a leadership role, so you have to do coaching, mentoring, and learn how to do delegation, right? But at the end of the day, if you have to kind of show to your management that you are doing this, and how do you kind of in way one way convey this, right? And sometimes yeah. delegation is always not taken positive way, right? So yeah, I just want to. I can chime in, Sumya. Maybe there's a better word for it. with delegation what is meant is like very transparently and clearly identifying areas that you want to direct to work on versus what you would work on an example before you have the direct could be how do you do dependency planning with your cross functional teams because the same kind of principle applies there that you're driving clarity of ownership on what your team works on versus something that your other team works on and have you been able in the past to drive those outcomes at scale when you do these large scale dependency planning so that might be an example if you're really ready to delegate and if you can drive that kind of clarity in your messaging and in the way you execute fantastic follow up suresh appreciate that and purvian sumeya thank you for weighing in so much to the extent um i see some other people have hands raised Jeff that I want to be able to bring up on stage but they're unfortunately not coming up on stage. So if you're someone who's raised your hand and I'm like, "Please come on up." Uh it just could be a bug or it's just, you know, hey, check your screen cuz I'm you're probably uh, enjoying listening. So until they come up, Jeff, the stage is back to you for maybe stoking some controversy, who knows. Maybe, maybe. First before the controversy, got to give a shout out to a few people in the audience. I mean, the dream, he's been on our stage before, so it's good to see you here. Kunal is actually helping us decide whether we can launch AI product management summit. So we're going to try to create a, a summit uh, to bring together all the product managers who are working in AI and learn the best practices and Kunal in the audience is is helping us figure out how to do that effectively. And also Sarah, our super volunteer, the unicorn in the audience, uh, thanks for listening. Always appreciate your contributions to the product management center community which is at the University of Washington but it is a resource for the world of product managers speaking of resource for the world of product managers Sumeya and Purvi I understand that you two are cooking up something I want to give you a chance to I know you're probably shy to promo but I, I believe you're collaborating on other ways to help enrich the lives of product managers either of you want to give a plug Yeah, we can. <laughs> uh but uh, we <laughs> we can we can do that towards the end. I wanted I wanted to bring up uh, another topic Jeff if you don't mind around specifically if you are transitioning from an IC to a manager and you're doing it within a team where you're now managing t- uh, PMs who used to be your peers. that generally creates one of the most awkward situations <laughs> for pm so if you don't mind i want to just talk about that for a second and just talk about maybe a couple of the things that usually need to be done a little differently in that situation absolutely please do or porvi do you have thoughts on that i have lots of thoughts on that but i'll let sumeya start <laughs> i'll just share a thought there so that situation is a study in humility i think this is where you as the the new manager need to understand that you don't need to have the answers to everything and i think that's true most of the time but it's even more true in this case because these are your peers who are with you who know you in and out <laughs> went through a lot of things with you and you were able to get this position and they they weren't some of them probably interviewed for it and they didn't get it and others 
didn't even apply for it, and that's fine too. But I think in this situation, at least in the first six months, it's about showing everyone on the team that from a human interaction, human communication standpoint, everything is still the same. However, you have a brand new set of responsibilities that creates other obligations for you. And these obligations are that you care about each one of these people, each one of these peers in a different way. You care about their success, uh, you advocate for them, but you also hold them accountable in a way that you didn't have to before. And so the conversation with them in that first six months is all about, you know, how do we hold each other accountable, me for supporting you in the way you need to be supported and you for delivering in the way that you need to continue delivering. So that's the only one I wanted to really raise as important. How about you, Purvi? You know, I I think it's a classic case of the first among the equals trap that happens when you start leading a team that you're part of. Now, different people on your team that you probably end up leading will react differently. I would say, though, that in the past, I've run into situations where some people weren't happy with I ending up in that position. So they did not see an opportunity for growth because they wanted the position. So in that situation, I think you just uh, part ways and it's a hard decision to make, but that is where management skills come in handy. And other people would want to grow because they might see it as a signal of, you know, some creating something new, creating a culture from scratch, uh, a culture which didn't exist before. So I think depending upon the the demographics of the team and the, and the constituent and who is there, how many years of experience and what their career goals were, different people react differently and you have to be open and actually a little bit more strong when those decisions are taken. I love that because we didn't really get to talk about that responsibility that you now have, you probably didn't have before. Although I do know that product managers, we generally have to also have a lot of difficult conversations if people on our teams are not doing, you know, are are not living up to their promises or to expectations, whether they're engineers or designers. I know a lot of PMs have had to to go through that learning experience, but definitely letting go and beyond and, you know, performance improvement plans and, you know, determining whether someone is the right fit. Those are all things that you have to do as a manager of people. The other thing we didn't talk about is all the administrative stuff you have to do which is why I think the principal track can be really rewarding because because you can still do all the mentoring you want to do and the coaching without having to do all the other administrative stuff. Purvi, if you were to list the administrative stuff you have to do, what's on the top of the list for you? Hire an, an awesome admin that will make your life easier would be top of my list. But I think time management is so important because when you don't have administrative support and you do have to run larger organizations, um, I believe if you can block parts of your day or or maybe like a Friday to just get through all of the administrative tasks uh, works has worked well for me in the past. Oh, but I I was thinking beyond just that. I was thinking, for example, reviews. For the- oh, oh, okay, that performance. Oh yeah, I wasn't uh, just thinking the other stuff. <laughs> okay, I thought like, stuff like, like expense reports do. and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Performance management is so so important. I feel like 
doing 360 degrees so there's a of course a designated performance cycle where you do these reviews like every 6 months but i also believe in like when i go and sort of lead a new team or even in this new role right now to do employee 360s to understand like what is the current state of affairs how do people see themselves and their strengths and their areas of improvement versus how others see themselves versus like what i've learned in the 90 days and to have at least an employee plan for growth like i feel every manager should have a plan for each employee they lead and that's a lot of work but i i believe that's probably the most important part of my job and has always been it's it has to be people first and process and product second because if you can't find that groove if you can't build that culture you probably be recruiting for a long amount of time and not being able to stand up product that well so i want to dive in a little deeper on delegation which is something that came up earlier how do you manage delegation when if you've been promoted and you're in this position you're obviously very skilled at what you do and it it'll take sometimes take more time to get somebody to be able to do what you could just do yourself but you have to let go sometimes so how do you train yourself to delegate and how do you do it efficiently i look at the quintessential important and urgent matrix actually and if something is not as urgent and it's not critical for leadership then i think i would start with that and delegate that part of the business first and then slowly kind of move to more strategic areas i think then it's a feedback of trust trusted relationship that as you delegate the first item and you get a good response and you get a good outcome then you start going towards more strategic areas and so it becomes like this like cycle where you go faster and faster and you're able to like grow other people and then focus on stuff that you are not focusing on and building your skill set in the area and t- taking that time to develop relationships at an executive level and spending time with customers Sumay anything to add to that I was going to say that what Purvi was talking about also in the beginning smells a lot like psychological safety and so fundamentally if within the team you have that then you have to have a lot of trust that people will do what they said they're going to do uh, to me usually the biggest challenge is not in trusting that people will do it but not having feedback on the way they did it if i think the way they did it was not as efficient <laughs> and the reason i say that is because efficiency is not always the thing that's important you want to build people's confidence you want to let them you know learn on their own sometimes i mean maybe 20% of the time you can make comments about efficiency but generally speaking how someone gets something done is something a leader can let go of at some point all right thank you so i think we are almost out of time i want to give a window for concluding thoughts and i'll start with you porvi and we've talked about the transition from ic to manager and we've talked about it both as you're preparing to do it and after you've made that transition and i'm curious what you want to leave the audience with i want to leave the audience with the plug that we both don't do often but uh, that we are working on a course which sumaya can tell you more about which is specifically focused on this area of transition and the skills needed and examples from the industry and from us on how we did it several times so if you have feedback and you've gone through the journey or are you going through the journey and you have concerns we'd love to hear hear them so please reach out all right thank you sumaya yeah absolutely I'm excited because Purvi and I have been talking about this. I think what's important for me is that everyone 
gets to have a plan because as PMs, Red always says this, PMs give so much of themselves <laughs> and always have their heads down, focused on execution. And so taking the time to raise their head up and think strategically about their careers can be overwhelming. I was talking to a friend the other day who was telling me that she's so tempted to quit just so she has time to think about her long-term career plan. And I mean, if you hate your job, that's fine. But there are other ways to go about doing career planning and thinking about, you know, long-term objectives and and how you want to achieve them and the kind of people you have, the kind of network you want to build around you. And those are all things that Purvi and I want to actually sit with people and help them create, you know, create a roadmap for their own career. So I'm excited about that. Follow Purvi on LinkedIn and you'll see updates there once we have something ready to launch, but it will be coming soon. All right. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, Purvi and Sumeya uh, want to hear from you to put together their course and then to share this knowledge that they've amassed over their years of experience and also from talking to people. So reach out to them. And then Porvi, any concluding thoughts on just uh, maybe one or two takeaways that you hope somebody leaves with? I think my major, major call out here would be when you're thinking about the transition or establishing a new product org or even taking over a newer team. Think about people first and product and process second, because that culture, getting the the basic principle right and building the relationship, it's going to be so important on what you deliver for the business. So if you get that one right, chances are the product would be made made uh, successful by itself. So I would just focus on people first. And Sumeya, one uh, bullet point takeaway as it relates to IC to manager? I think I can't top the people first takeaway. It definitely is at the heart of all of the, you know, all great management starts with people first mentality and mindset, whether you are in product management or in, in another field. And so caring about your people, understanding the psychology of motivation, how do you create psychological safety for your teams? How do you help them find meaning? And, and all of that, I think, is the hardest part of the job, but also the most rewarding part. And if that's not what you find motivating, that's okay, too. It just probably means you should not consider people management as a as a path. All right. And yeah, I think that's an important point to make that it's glorified, but people management is not necessarily for everyone. And so you heard today some tips to how to make that transition and then what to do once you're there. And you heard Red throw out some frameworks. Red, founding advisory board member on the product management center here at the University of Washington, helped us build this from the ground up. What are your concluding thoughts today? One, I can't say it enough, and I say it every week now, that the product manager does so much, so much, and it's very important that we all support them. That being said, I really find after last week the idea that there are other people in the organization that need to be supported by the product manager. And, you know, someone asked earlier, what are some of the things that I need to show that I delegate? What do I need to show that I can succeed in managing? Well, I I didn't hear it on this one, but talking cross-departmentally, you know, to go to another role and say, hey, I know how to talk to sales. I know how to talk to marketing. I know how to listen to the market. I think that's an incredibly valuable skill that I don't know is said enough 
to ICs, or maybe that's my own perspective. And I am saying this selfishly as someone from the sales side, but if more product managers would take time to work with sales, they would realize that all salespeople are effectively just really, you know, empathetic product managers or want to be product managers. And hey, you like my framework, Sumay and Porvi, so clearly... There's some product manager within me. Um, so that would be... <laughs> the, the, <laughs> run strong within you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that would be my takeaway. Just learn to work with everybody and soon you'll find you're an incredible product manager. All right. Thank you, Red. Thanks for the energy you bring to this program every single week. We are here on Clubhouse Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time. We haven't discussed whether we're here next week during the Thanksgiving week holiday. Sumaya, are we back next week? Are you and Red taking off? What do you think? I think we can take next week off and share our gratitude through the ether without, you know, having to be back here on Clubhouse. Not having to be back here, but without the joy. We'll get our Thanksgiving joy in other ways next week. So Sumeya Red and I are going to take a much-deserved holiday next week, but then we'll be back in December with another episode of How to Succeed in Product Management. We're here Tuesdays at 4 p.m. on Clubhouse and on every single major podcasting app. I don't know what qualifies as a major podcasting app, but if you have a podcasting app, you could find How to Succeed in Product Management and listen to, I think we're up to 27 episodes in the past. So if you're sad next week. Tune in instead of Clubhouse, but tune into your favorite podcasting app and listen to us there. And I just want to say thank you to Porvi. People like you giving back to the community is what energizes Red, Sumeya, and I. And so it's great to have you sharing your valuable insights and extraordinarily valuable time uh, to the benefit of everybody here today. And I'm thankful for all of you because you give us energy, asking great questions, and uh, tuning in to learn how to succeed in product management. My last ask for you is if you want to give back to the product management community, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me. Just tell me a little bit about yourself before you throw that connection request. And then I'd love your help as we're mentoring the next generation of product managers, as we're helping senior product managers level up, and as we're really just trying to enrich the lives of diverse product managers at every level of their career, there's a place for you to give back at the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. So thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Take care, everybody.